Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 25. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Craig Finn from The Hold Steady. The band released their eighth studio record entitled Open Door Policy in February. In today's episode, Craig and I talk about the almost predictive nature of the record, his approach to lyric writing, and his love of the replacements in Springsteen. Here we go. today is the frontman for one of America's greatest bar bands. The Brooklyn band includes Seth Meyers and Bruce Springsteen as some of their fans. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from The Hold Steady, Craig Finn. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. No, my absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, congratulations on Open Door Policy, the new Hold Steady record. It is fantastic. Um, it is another great record from yourselves and it's the eighth uh, in the, the back catalogue of the band. I will get into the the record itself in a second, but I wanted to talk about the cover because I'm not sure if many Australians have kind of spoken to you about this already. Well, yeah, it, you know, the cover was funny because we we were I was on a you know kind of a personal journey and uh, in a in a very frustrating way trying to find the right album cover for this record and. Um, a guy reached out and said, Hey, if you ever want to use any of my photos, you should. And honestly, I don't normally look at that kind of thing. And I happened to, and there was one photo in there that just stuck with me. And it was a, um, and they, they, I should say the guy, uh, Dave McLaughlin is from Perth and, uh, the photo was in Perth, I believe. And, um, it's a kind of a reflection in a laundromat glass, um, so you can see not only into the laundromat, but what's behind him. Um, and to me, that sort of represented, there's a lot of mental health um, things on the record. It sort of gave a kind of a two sides of every story um, vibe to, to that I thought matched well with, with the, the content of the record. But someone quickly pointed out that um, I think it's BWS. Is that the name <laughs> of it? There's like a liquor chain <laughs> reflected yeah. in, in there, um, which is, you know, um, something I didn't, I didn't realize, but, uh, so that I think made it very uh, more recognizable for Australians that I thought it was going to be. Um, but I kind of love, I love the fact that it's there. And, um, there's also something about the idea of open door policy that, um, we also got the back cover, uh, photo from a fan. Um, another one of these kind of reflection double exposure kind of photos. So, you know, the idea of kind of an open door policy with the fans and, and being able to get content from the community around the band, I think is really cool. That that is um that is very cool. I think you guys do have quite a um a loyal and um just anyone that I've spoken to about the hold steady, 
um, and, and loves the whole study. It does seem to be a very, um, oh, what's the word? Not, not even like a cult, but just kind of <laughs> like a, they're, they're very devoted fans to the band. Um, and I know yeah. that, yeah, they are. We, we, yeah, it's not a cult in that we don't require them to turn over all their money to us, but, um, <laughs> uh, but it is a really strong community. And, uh, it's funny. It's, it's something we talked about since the beginning of the band, wanting to have a band that people could feel a part of. And, um, somehow we did it. You know, uh, there's, there's some parts I know what we did, but there's some parts that just people met us halfway and it's, it's just such a beautiful thing. And, and, uh, um, makes me feel spectacular. Of course. I um, One thing I did want to talk to you about today, I guess, is the fact that you guys are so, um, I think, uh, accessible is, is one way to put it in terms of that it's not big uh, arena rock, but it's also the, the personas of, of yourself and all your other band members are quite personable and that the stories of the band are you know, everyday Joes and, and the struggles of, of, of everyday life. Is that, yeah, was that a intended when you started? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things we kind of wanted to do with this band from the beginning was to take some of the stuff that came from punk rock, like, you know, uh, trying to, you know, lessen the divide between the band and the audience and, and not, you know, and, and I, you know, I don't think I would register to anyone as a, as a proper rock star, but to have this <laughs> idea of regular, regular people, and we were already like, older when we started the band. I was in my thirties. We all were really. And, um, so I think that, um, there's something there, but, but that said, we kind of wanted to combine it with um with not punk rock or not hardcore but with kind of a classic rock sound and so there's almost a juxtaposition almost a strange bedfellows of you know what what, what we think of as classic rock met with very um approachable people um approachable uh situations that that is maybe different than you know just to throw to, you know, like Mick Jagger or, or Steven Tyler or Robert Plant or something, you know, that, that you don't get to, you don't get to hang out with after the show, etc. Yeah. Do you guys find that um, you have people approach you after the show and kind of treat you as if they've known you for a while? Yeah. And that's a really nice thing. I mean, you know, sometimes you need a little space after the show, but I love going out after the show. I love going to the pubs after and talking to people. And, um, yeah, I mean, people, people tell us really, um, amazing things and, you know, it's, it's an honor to, um, to have people let that music, have that music be part of their lives. And, um, you know, they even, I've, I've had people share very, very personal things about, what the music means. And, uh, you know, that's a huge reward and, and a blessing, um, to be able to, to be able to be a part of all this. Yeah. No, that's very cool. The album going back to open door policy, uh, was recorded mainly in 2019. And then obviously I'm not going to rehash the events of the last 12 months. We all know what <laughs> happened. Um, but what's it been like, I guess, sitting on this album and, and having it come out, now uh, after all this time is it a bit of a release yeah it is i mean the funny thing about this record is you know we, we did it in two sessions august and december of 2019 it was almost done uh, i mean we had some a little bit of work but it was almost done when 2020 started and then you know the events happened and we um 
we kind of waited a little bit. Maybe we thought, oh, if we wait a little bit, we can tell when shows are going to happen and we'll be able to time it right for some rock shows, you know. But it, the record when we were writing it, you know, 2019 felt like a heavy year to me. Um, it feels rather quaint now, but, uh, but 2019, you know, especially in the States was, you know, there's, there's, there's a politically divided, um, country there's income inequality. And, um, you know, I was thinking a lot about mental health stuff already back then. And then 2020 comes and all these issues just get like, you know, blown up. It's like, you know, like they, they got inflated. So it's kind of almost like the, the album aged well. Um, <laughs> the stories we were telling made even more sense um, after the year we've just had. And so eventually it just became like, well, I, I don't know what's going to happen. We should just put it out before it gets old. So it does <laughs> feel extra good um, to have it out after that long wait. And then people are, seem to really like it. And that feels great too. And that's, that's a huge bright spot when you've been sitting home for a year, you know, to, to have some of that, you know, things coming back to you. Yeah, of course. Um, as you mentioned, the, the record does touch on topics like technology, mental health, um, and capitalism. And, and as, as you said last year, it inflated those quite a bit. Um, for yourself, was it kind of a little bit funny to, be sitting on the record knowing that you've you've got these things that are aging like my mind was it almost like um a, a nostradamus style thing of yeah i mean it, it, in the sense that like i mean uh, to me it did um although these are stories that are you know people have to kind of listen and pay attention to get that out of them so it wasn't like you know re- we were releasing a record called mental health or whatever you know like but you know these stories were uh are in there. I, I knew that they would resonate with people, and um, and as all these things we talk about, and technology is a huge part of the record. You know, people are constantly, you know, um, you know. Look, I mean, we're on this thing, Squadcast, but you know, um, Zoom, basically. You know, like like how much how much time did I spend on Zoom before twenty twenty? <laughs> None. And, you know, so all this, this technology, you know, the way we communicate evolves even in uh, these strange times. Yeah, definitely. Um, when it does come to your lyrics, you are known for being quite a uh, a dense lyricist and, and uh, extremely great at storytelling. Was this something that I guess when you started the band, w- was it uh, something that came naturally or was it, uh, I guess it's easy to, to fall into repetition when it does come to songwriting? Was it kind of like a conscious effort for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes on before this band. I mean, it was always like the songs I liked were the songs that told stories, right? You know, so, you know, and I started writing my own songs. I wanted to write um, songs that told stories. And, you know, the first few years of attempts were pretty clumsy, but eventually sort of developed the style of, you know, a lot of words and um, a lot of, you know, like uh, a lot of images kind of coming to tell a story and, uh, you know, throwing things out kind of quickly to to people um but yeah i mean a lot of that is just you know uh, comes from things i like you know i liked um and 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 i always just liked a song that 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 told a story whether it's even you know even starting with like you know johnny be good or something like that um chuck berry like you know like like um that, that would always pull me in and uh i've always liked reading um but but there's something about telling a story in a three or four minute song that's just super satisfying to me 
I definitely agree with that. I've seen, um, I have seen online that there's, uh, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, there's uh, sites or, or people that have compared the Hold Steady to quite a lot of um, hip hop artists just in terms of the uh, the kind of narrative that you can get across in that. Have you found that or are you, um, I guess, a, a big hip hop fan yourself? I mean, me, you know, I, 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 I can't say that I um, have kept up with hip hop. There's been points in my life where I've, I've known more. Um, but I would say, you know, one thing that I think in a very simple way of uh, saying that is, I mean, both myself and, and hip hop tend to have a lot of words. And also, I don't tend to hold notes really, you know, it's very percussive. So like, it's almost like one, one beat, one syllable, you know? So I think in that sense, there's, there's a lot of connection there. And, uh, I also think that, you know, one thing I've always loved about hip hop is there's a, there's a wanting to be the best. Um, there's wanting to be the best at, at lyricism. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a mediocre guitar player and, um, but I, I do believe, you know, I do, always want the, the, the lyrics. I think that's what I bring in the hold steady and I want to do the best of my job. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> um, the record is the, the eighth in, in the back catalog, as we said before. And mm-hmm. um, it's the second record with the band as a six piece compared to the, the five piece. How has that dynamic kind of changed across the last two records? It's amazing. I mean, I, I, it's funny to, you know, be this far into the band and we have our best lineup, you know, uh, Franz was in the band. He left, Steve came in at that point and, um, this is the first time we've had them both on stage together. So it's the super steady a little bit, you know, hold steady <laughs> 3.0. And, uh, and, you know, and I think the story of the, the band right now and, and, and the success in my mind of musically of this record is that those guys, uh, had a challenge that they, you know, suddenly they're both here together and they have to figure out where the space is for both of them. And, um, luckily they, you know, on a personal level, they got along right away and musically they clicked too and, uh, sort of found their, each of their spaces. And I think that that has defined this, um, this, the last record, but also especially this record, this record is sort of the, uh, the next step of, of that, you know, realizing that sound and where everyone, and, and you know, there's six people now, um, so there's a lot of stuff, but I think um, figuring out where everyone goes kind of in the, in the you know, the sonic, you know, the, the map or whatever, however you want to uh, visualize it, but yeah, figuring out where everyone goes. And I think that um, Franz and Steve, um, a massive part of um, that de- that development in this band. When the band does come together to write music, is it something that you'll um, bring lyrics to and then they'll flesh out musically or is it uh, the other way around or a combination? Oh, you know, no, really the reverse. And in the whole study, I generally just write the lyrics. Um, what's kind of been the, the uh, mode of operating in the past um few years since Franz lives in California and Steve lives in Memphis. So we are, we're not all in New York. Most of us are, but so we kind of have the technology thing a little more uh, as part of it as we used to, you know, they'll usually send me, um, you know, bits and pieces and it'll usually be like a part or two and I'll write some lyrics, you know, and then, then there's sort of a second part when we are able to be together, we all get in the same room and, you know, sort of, 
show, you know, see how it's all fitting together. At that point, someone might say, Oh, I think I have another part that'll work for this song. We kind of, um, we, you know, so we arrange it in the room, but we kind of all have a head start because of the, te- you know, the technology and the sharing of files. So, um, and that's something that's new. I mean, we used to go into the room and like stare at each other, um, you know, and, and I, you know, I think it's a little, it, it's better for us to be a little more efficient now because we're all older, you know, but we used to, you know, at the beginning of the band, it was just getting a bunch of beer and going into the room and seeing what happened, you know, um, but, but not everyone has like eight hours a day to put towards that nowadays. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, um, it's good. We're a little more efficient, but, um, yeah, it, it, it's generally me, me writing words to their music and, um, you know, and you, usually the stuff they're bringing to me is very, is pretty, um, um, and inspirational to me and also tends to be big and sound. So I'm always kind of trying to create stories that sort of cinematically will match the, the music. One of the, the things you just mentioned in terms of, um, you know, uh, hanging out in bars, things like that, you guys are known very much for your live show, being one of the best bar rock bands before taking it to big arenas, still in that same kind of spirit. Did you find it difficult last year to not be able to kind of play shows and, and um Yeah. I mean there's something about like the, the actual show, the communing with the audience that is, you know, um besides being thrilling, it's also kind of addictive, you know what I mean? And it's a huge part of what we've been doing for some time. But I'll tell you what's even more interesting that uh that I that I found was um, you know, I missed the travel, which I knew I would, you know, staying home gets boring. But some of the travel things I missed were like being weirdly like not stuck, but like, you know, just having a beer at like the hotel bar uh, the night before (laughs) the show when you're, you know, your flight got in and you just, you know, seeing the guys and having a beer in the hotel, like just to, just the kind of stuff that you didn't know you'd really miss. But, um, these like little things that ended up that end up being really important and part of the whole experience um, that somehow I miss just as much as the shows really um, just that those in between moments that are that are really special. Sometimes I feel like it kind of can be the not even necessarily mundane, but it's the little intricacies that tie them together that you, you miss as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all part of it, right? You know, I mean, like, it's like you don't think you love soundcheck, but like you start to miss soundcheck <laughs> or like you're like that weird, you know, between soundcheck and like the show, that weird time to kill. And it's like, oh, I wish I just, you know, sometimes I'll just go take a walk and, you know, disappear. And like, those are really nice moments, especially when they're suddenly taken away from you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, this weekend just gone by, you had the the virtual The Weekender mm-hmm. um, at the Brooklyn Bowl. How was that finally getting to be able to play some shows, although distanced and online? Um, yeah, they looked, they, they were fantastic to watch. Uh, they were really fun. And I mean, uh, I you know, I mean, for starters, just, uh, I mean, for starters, just plugging in the amps, you know, and hearing a kick drum, you know, in your chest is, is amazing. And like I said, Franz and... Um, uh, Steve live out of town. So while I see the other guys occasionally, um, you know, it's, a, it's great just to be, have all six of us together. And, uh, and so there's that, that's alone is cause for celebration. The shows were really amazing. And, um, 
I, you know, we had monitors all around the club and we could see people, you know, rocking out, you know, we could see people uh, experiencing the shows and, and that makes it a lot easier to play. You're still playing to an empty room, um, which is distracting. It's like way more distracting than playing a normal show. Cause you kind of, you're like, you know, sometimes, but, um, but, you know, really seeing all the people, um, around, um, from literally around the world, like, you know, holding up signs, holding up their pets, dancing, whatever. It's just an amazing thing. And it speaks to the community around the band. And I, I said it, you know, um, I said it in December when we did, uh, our, our shows in December similarly, but you know, as a reminder of everything we've lost, our ability to play in front of people, but it was also really a reminder of what we have and, and, and what an amazing group of people um, are around this band. Definitely. I am. Um, you guys do have as, or as we discussed before, yeah, quite a community behind you that, um, that, that loves you in um, including uh, a few famous faces as well. I know that, Seth Myers is is quite a big Hold Steady fan. He's a big supporter. Yeah, he's been a he's been a great supporter. We've gotten we played the shows a lot. I've actually uh, actually one week I actually sat in with the band for a week too, uh, which is you know a testament to how good he's been to us because that band does not need doesn't really have a vocalist or need one. And uh, still, I got a job for I, I I was able to do that for a week. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, he's been really kind to us. 
I know um, the first song I, I, I wrote um, is uh, whenever I get asked to, to do anything like this, I always put um, a song uh, first because uh, it's I Will Dare by The Replacements, and it's my favorite song. It's just uh, I, I'm one of those people that says he, that has a favorite song. And if you ask me my favorite song, I know it right away. It's the first song on my favorite <laughs> album, which is Let It Be by The Replacements. And The Replacements are from my hometown of Minneapolis. Uh, you know, we're going to hear some other Minneapolis artists. Um, but but they were like the first band I got into um, in, that um, I got into them on their, it was their third album, Hootenanny, or their, uh, depending on how you count them. But uh, so I will... Um, let it be their album that came out in October 84 was the first song, first album I ever remember waiting for it to come out. Like, you know, it, there was a new release that I was really looking forward to and I got it and I went home and I put this on and the first songs, um, I will dare. And I've just always loved it ever since then. And, uh, it's, I just think it's a very romantic song. It reminds me of fall. We're not hearing, well, you're in different, uh, you're, you're in, well, you're in autumn, getting towards autumn, right? We're just heading into autumn, correct? Okay, yes. so yeah. perfect timing. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but it's definitely an autumn song for me. Okay, so well, backing up, that's my favorite song. Um, I will dare better place one. So backing up, my first favorite song ever um, was Saturday Night by the Bay City Rollers. And uh, people, you know... I, I, I love this song always. And I think when I first got into it, it's because it spells out Saturday night, S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y night. And I think probably when I first heard it, I was learning to spell. Uh, so it was exciting, you know, to have a song with spelling <laughs> in it. Um, but also they, the Bay City Rollers had a TV show on when I was young. And I think when I saw they had this, you know, a bunch of guys hanging out in a band and it, it looks like so much fun to be in a band. And I think it was very influential on me to want to be in a band because of the sort of joy they seem to be uh, um, having. And, and later on, you know, maybe not that long, um, you know, I probably got into this when I was seven. And, you know, probably by the time I was 12, I was getting interested in punk rock. And, um, you know, there, there might seem to be a big jump between the Bay City Rollers and, you know, punk rock. But if you listen to things like the Ramones or, you know, a lot of um, early punk, it's three chords trying to be as catchy as possible, which is so is the Bay City Rollers. And there's almost like a football chant. Um, to, to the Bay City Rollers, a lot of their songs. So I think that they might be like kind of early proto-punk in some way, at least in my mind. <laughs> it's um, it's a very unique take on the Bay City Rollers. I'll pay that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. Um, well, moving on, um, another Minneapolis band. Um, you know, I think that uh, if you want to put like, you know, um, I came of age in Minneapolis when music was, um, it was a high point. I mean, like there were bands in my hometown that were making national wave, um, national waves. And, you know, Minneapolis, uh, where I grew up is a small Midwestern town, a small Midwestern city, I guess you'd say. So it's not the kind of place that you feel like the most important bands of the era are necessarily going to be jumping out of. And also there was the replacements, the aforementioned replacements, and sort of what, you know, critically might be called their brother band um, or sister band, brother band, uh, who's Curdue, uh, who is making music at the same time, making loud, fast, very melodic 
um, extremely um, intelligent and interesting music. And I was head over heels. And they put out records all the time. They put out like more than one record a year and it was so amazing. And like, you know, me and all my friends were, um, loved them and it was like a, they kind of kept it coming. But I think for me, my favorite is their album, A New Day Rising. And they have a song called Celebrated Summer just past your summer sorry but uh you know it it, it it talks about summer in this very um romantic way about you know i think he says getting drunk out on the beach or playing in a band or uh, when getting out of school and getting out of hand and i always thought that that was really exciting and i ended up um well the whole steady ended up uh, writing a song called constructive summer which is a little bit of a nod to this um um, the idea that um, you know something you can you can use your summer to do something really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, next on my list is um, is another Minneapolis artist, which is a different you know a, from a different scene, if you will, um, but something that's so important to me now and and forever um, is Prince. And um, uh, my favorite Prince song is probably this song Uptown, and it speaks of the uptown area of Minneapolis, which is where I would. Um, you know, uh, loiter <laughs> when I was a kid, and, uh, you know, you took the bus uptown and you went and you smoked cigarettes and you, you looked and see if anyone else was hanging out. And, um, um, I think that, you know, um, when you grow up in a smaller city and you have an artist like Prince, who's obviously an international megastar who not only is from there, but didn't leave there. Um, it kind of gives you an idea that like, Hey, this place is pretty cool. Like, you know, you know, Prince is good enough for Prince. It's good Definitely. enough for me. You know, he was and, a very big advocate for the for the state. And yeah, and so and and so I think that um, and you know, when he died, obviously it was very. I, I said to a friend, and the one thing was, it's not like I was hanging out with Prince. But there was something a little bit like Batman, you know, that it was good to know he was out there, you know, it was good to know he was nearby. And uh, I think the city loved him so much. And, and in some ways, it's hard to, you know, it feels like it's hard to recover from his death because uh, I think I, I've never been so honestly grieved someone I didn't know um, personally, you know, but it, it was that kind of loss. Yeah. The next song I chose is Hitsville UK by The Clash. And it's a strange song in some way, a strange song to select, but um, The Clash are one of my all-time favorite bands. You know, they might be number two after the replacements. And um, I think what I really respect about The Clash is their body of work. And, uh, you know, when, when, when this album, um, Sandinista, came out, it was a triple album. And people, you know... Every rock critic said, oh, it should have been one album. It should have been two out. This is just too much, <laughs> you know? And um, because it's meandering, maybe, maybe. But then I say, you know, now the clash has been broken up for many, many years. And I'm just glad to have all the music that they've made. Like each and every yeah. song is a blessing. And this is a, a very, you know, cool, catchy, you know, I, you wouldn't say it's like the quintessential clash song. Um, but I think it is a... Um, a great idea of them always reaching and trying to do something new. And um, that's why they needed three, 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 you know, three <laughs> pieces of vinyl on some albums. And I think um, Ellen Foley, um, the singer is on this record. She was dating Mick Jones on the song. And uh, she actually shows up in one of the early hold steady songs, certain songs. I say Ellen Foley gives us hope. 
uh, because she also sang um, on the classic meat, Meatloaf track, uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. And uh, so there's this sort of uh, inside baseball um Sorry, that's probably a really American term, but I think you know what I mean. Like the sort of trivianess of of rock and roll, which I also love. You know, like tracing the little lines and the liner notes. Yeah, almost uh, not like an inside joke, but more just like um, almost like an Easter egg, if you will. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's like like the kind of trivia. Like, do you know who that voice is? Do you know what what else she sang on? Oh, have you heard that? You know. Etc. So, I love that. I mean, that's that's part of the fun of rock music for me, and and being a fan. Um, and speaking of being a fan, um, you know, <laughs> one of my obvious uh, heroes, and, and you know, probably uh, some would say an obvious influence is Bruce Springsteen, and uh, he is. I mean, Bruce is a hero, and uh, not only for his music, but, but but I think for the way he lives his life, and. Uh, um, I think that that's, that's meant a lot to me. I, I came to Bruce Springsteen in my early twenties. Um, not, not super early. I was, you know, I, I, I was into punk and hardcore before that. And I kind of got to him and, and then sort of, it broke open for me. And I was like, this guy is amazing. And the descriptions he talks about, but what I love about this song, which is racing, racing in the streets is, um, especially as I've gotten older, I really love songs about, well, people that are a little older. And, you know, there's a million songs about teenagers riding convertibles with the wind rushing in their hair. And I become more attractive to songs about people who might feel a little bit stuck. And I think Bruce really writes well about these kind of adults. And Racing in the Streets is amazing. I mean, I think in the, um, right, right in the beginning, in the first verse, he, he mentions, you know, me and my partner's son. So it's like, whoa there's a stepson in this song. Like, I mean, that's, that's already like levels of complexity that you just don't get from fun, fun, fun. And daddy took the T-bird away. You know, like it's, 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 it's evolving. It's, it's a, it's an art form that's evolving um, at this point. And he's writing these complex, very human stories. And uh, that's why I've always loved this song. Do you remember um, who introduced you to Springsteen? You know, <laughs> I mean, I was always aware of Springsteen because, I mean, I, I like, like had, you know, I'd heard Born to Run on the radio and um, I always liked that song. And then Born in the USA came out and I, I just sort of, I didn't really understand the depth of it. And, uh, you know, it's sort of, it was very, mean. it was very successful at a time where I was kind of seeking out the underground, you know, so I was sort of suspicious of it. And, um, I just, there were some um, people that were really into it um, in college that I knew that um, I, but I didn't really get into it then, but I, but I respect, I knew I respected these people and respected their love for Bruce. So I sort of had it on my own and what it took was going all the way back to the beginning. Um, you know, the uh, greetings from Asbury Park and, and hearing that sort of, um, electrified Dylan kind of that fast talking and the sort of beat poetry of it all. And, and I think I first had to fall in love with that kind of rhythm and blues sound of the first two records um, and how fun it was. I mean, it's really joyous. And uh, I think I always, that's why I think with this whole steady six piece lineup, the more people on stage, I feel like the more, more it feels like a party, you know, and, and <laughs> now we have a horn section too. Oftentimes it shows like, you know, so this past weekend we had nine people on stage and then that always, I mean, I think the East street band is something I've always, 
aspired to. In some ways, this six-piece lineup, the whole steady feels like these three band when when you know when they got back together and they had little Steven and Nils. It's sort of that you know you get everyone now, <laughs> and uh, that that feels good. So that's you know there's a million Bruce songs, but that one is just uh, that one feels um, to be exactly you know what I like now. You know, like yeah. or I'm you know. Um, and this is next one is a little more modern. Um, Future Me Hates Me uh, by the Beths. And this song is just, um, I think we'll, I'll always remember as um, I discovered it during the pandemic. Uh, 2020, I was um, taking walks in, you know, in uh, at the first part of the pandemic, I mean, I think there was like a lot of information more about like, you know, touching things and, you know, like less, less about aerosol. And so everyone was, you know, like, and my, my partner's a nurse. Um, so she was working with COVID patients at a hospital. I had to move out of the house, um, because for safety reasons, we didn't have much separation. And, um, so I moved in with a family member and, um, sort of to calm myself, I was taking these walks, um, by myself with headphones and this song would always cheer me up. Like the song just always made me the, the melody and the, the vocals are just so incredible. And uh, um, it was kind of like a weird bright spot of the pandemic. And uh, I just remember walking through the park a lot and in, in Brooklyn where I live and just uh, it was like one thing that made me feel better. And uh, that's something really sweet, really beautiful about music that, that like that it can take you away a little bit and escapism. Um, and that's what that's what it felt like a, a bit of an escape from some of the heaviness that was going on at the time. It, um, it is uh, having a quick look at the whole list. It is probably the most modern song on there. How do you kind of, I guess, come across new music? Is it a thing where people recommend it or you go out actively searching for it? Uh, both. Yeah. I mean, searching, um, like I'll, I'll just, I mean, I do listen to, I listen to, um, there's a radio station back home in Minneapolis that I stream, you know? So if I hear something on that, sometimes that, uh, uh, will get me, I read things, um, like there's some stuff, um, you know, and, and then just, you know, because of what I do, like some people, you know, I'm around people who talk about music, you know, <laughs> but, um, that one, that one definitely came from the current, um, the, uh, the station in Minneapolis. Uh, that's how that got, got to me. And, uh, I, I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I, I definitely try to keep up on new music. Like I usually like, have a couple little playlists going of things, you know, and, and, and at least, you know, try to check out things. Um, and then I have kind of like, yeah, I've kind of this sort of weird um, master playlist that's like, you know, 800 songs long that like, if you, if you get really good, you get, you get moved over to there. And that's just kind of my, my general walking around music. And there's enough on it that I shuffle it and things don't come up that often, but it's all songs that I've kind of given approval to. Um, That's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nerdy. So, but you know, backing up a little bit, this, I, this is uh, chronologically, this playlist isn't really telling uh, the story in the right order, but I'm jumping around a little bit. But um, in 2002, I didn't have a band. I'd moved to New York in 2000 and I'd been in a band in Minneapolis and I moved to New York in 2000. 2002, I went and saw a band called the Drive-By Truckers. And, um, it was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. And I said, I have to be in a band now. 
Like that's, that's all it can be. I, the, the, I, they, they were too good. I need to be in a band. I wanted to be in a band like that. <laughs> and I want to have fun like those guys. And what struck me about the drive by truckers is that they, um, they weren't of the moment in like an indie sense. They, they were playing a classic sound. And I said, I remember thinking about like that they were built to last, meaning they weren't going to be like, they weren't going to go any more in or out compared to like, you know, what, what the sounds are going to be next year or the year after that. So they won't ever be of totally of the moment, but they also won't ever be totally out of style. They'll just be, you know, stay in the course. Totally and, them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one, I think that's something we really tried to do when we started to hold steady. And I was very much in the, uh, in the uh, model of the drive-by truckers, which is great because um, within a few years, um, we got our music to the drive-by truckers and became good friends and toured with them. <laughs> and, uh, Patterson remains a great friend of mine and, uh, we talk all, you know, fairly often. And, uh, this song, let there be rock is kind of like, uh, they played that the first night I saw him. And I remember just going out of my mind. It speaks to, um, sort of the mythology of rock and roll and how we, uh, how, how, how we, um, put things, things on pedestals in weird ways. And, uh, and, um, it just makes me want to like throw my beer up in the air every time I hear it, especially when it gets to the guitar solo. So I don't have any beer here, <laughs> so I will, I'll keep, keep the carpets clean. Um, which leads me to my final. And I think this is the most um, recent uh, uh, discovery, uh, if you will, mm-hmm. um, on the list. And it's uh, by Cassandra Jenkins, who is uh a friend um, who also sang um, um, at least one of my solo records as well as the new Hold Steady record and, and uh, coincidentally put out a record of her own uh, on the day that um, that Open Door Policy came out. And she had a song called Hard Drive. And uh, she actually toured with me in late 2019. She was um, doing that. She was closing her sets uh, with this song. And then she was also performing with my band. Uh, on a solo tour and uh this song felt like a living breathing thing like it kind of changed night to night and she you know she was loose enough with it that it was really exciting to watch it develop and uh i you know no surprise like songs that have some talking in them and uh this (laughs) one is just uh just a perfect thing of just like this uh very spiritual and very um open uh open to possibility kind of thing um and it's also a very new york song um which i love about it uh she's a she's a uh lifelong you know born and bred in new york where i am uh, a transplant but um it speaks to something uh awesome about new york and like kind of meeting people and some of the um interactions you have unplanned interactions and how they can kind of affect your day and um she just the whole record's amazing sandra jenkins hard drive i'll make sure we also include a link to cassandra's work as um as well as open door policy obviously (laughs) uh, in the show notes craig thank you very much for your time today i do appreciate it oh man it was a blast (laughs) <laughs> that's a, that's very kind. Again, the new record is Open Door Policy from the Hold Steady. Um, it is out now. Thank you again to Craig Finn. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Craig Finn and the Hold Steady. Their eighth record, Open Door Policy, is out now. 
We've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the vinyl from Cooking Vinyl Australia. We also want to give a huge shout out to Joe at Joe Corbett Publicity for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of Craig's picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Until next week, cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.